This podcast is sponsored by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. GoMoto now has three new kiosks that allow customers to check in online and in-store, drop off and pick up keys, and interact in both English and Spanish. Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, 2022 is shaping up to be another good year for car dealers. It's not just Ford. Suppliers are hiking charges for all automakers. And Tesla recalls more than a million cars for windows that may pinch passengers. Plus, we'll hear from Eric Varton of Yazaki North America about his company's innovative technology and the climate for suppliers right now. At any given day, right, it's, it's not just Yazaki that's impacted by our own supply chains, but it's Yazaki that's impacted by other people's supply chains. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. It's been another good year so far for car dealers. That's according to new data from the National Automobile Dealers Association covering the first half of 2022. NADA Chief Economist Patrick Manzi says new vehicle production remains constrained and likely will stay that way at least through the rest of the year, but he says consumer demand for new and used vehicles remains strong, and parts and service operations are also performing well. NADA's mid-year report offers data on sales, service, and other financial trends at franchise dealerships through June. Manzi declined to share specific information about average dealership profitability, NADA no longer publicly releases profitability data, nor its average dealership financial profile report. Earlier this week, Ford lowered expectations for this quarter, citing higher supply costs that are taking a billion-dollar bite out of profits. On Tuesday, the company's shares fell with the sharpest one-day drop in over a decade. But Ford isn't suffering alone. Automakers across the board are shouldering more of the burden for the higher costs that their suppliers have faced as prices jump for energy, labor, and raw materials. Suppliers that spoke with Reuters said they've raised prices on parts anywhere between 7 and 20%. Supply problems are certainly squeezing Toyota again. Despite efforts to ramp up output over the summer, the world's biggest automaker says persistent supply chain troubles will force it to cut global production plans by 100,000 vehicles in October and by 50,000 in November. Toyota continues to struggle to recoup lost volume. It said last month that it wanted to manufacture 900,000 vehicles a month from September to November, but now it sees output at 800,000 in October and averaging only 850,000 from October through December. Despite the setback, Toyota says it's sticking to its plan to produce nearly 10 million Toyota and Lexus vehicles in the current fiscal year, which ends in March. And while vehicle makers feel the pinch of supply chain problems, some Tesla drivers could feel a literal pinch from their vehicle. The EV makers recalling over a million vehicles in the U.S. for power-operated windows that may not react correctly after detecting an object. The windows could pinch an occupant and increase the risk of injury. The recall covers certain 2017 to 2022 Model 3, 2020 and 2021 Model Y, as well as 2021 and 2022 Model S and Model X electric vehicles. In a safety recall report filed this week, Tesla told the nation's top auto safety regulator 
that it's not aware of any warranty claims, field reports, or injuries related to the defect. That's as of September 16th. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, dealers and automakers have been making money, but suppliers have been taking it on the chin. With suppliers charging more for parts, is this the revenge of the supplier? <laughs> you know, it kind of is. The suppliers have really been struggling during COVID. Production is down. Their businesses are all built around high volume output and really steady, consistent production. And they've had none of that. They've had very low production, you know, down about 20% the last two years, and they get whipsawed week to week. You know, oh, this plant's up, this plant's down. As the automakers are trying to be more nimble and use few chips they have available in the most effective ways, in the end, they're at the point where the automakers really need the suppliers. The suppliers are saying, we need some more money to cover our costs or we're all going to be shutting down. Wow. Well, coming up, supplier Yazaki North America won two PACE awards this week from Automotive News. We'll hear from the company's vice president of engineering, Eric Varton, next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Michael Dunn, son of legendary car spy Jim Dunn, and I'm also the host of the Driving with Dunn podcast. Over the last 26 years, I founded two companies, became president of GM Indonesia, and I was featured on 60 Minutes. Today, I run Zozo Go, a global market intelligence company with deep expertise in electrics and autonomous cars. Driving with Dunn is going on 80 episodes. Our guests include Henrik Fisker. We're gonna modernize the Pope Mobile. Linda Zhang, chief engineer of the F-150 Lightning, and many more. You can listen at zozogo.com or wherever you get your podcast. Picture your service drive on a busy morning. There's a line of customers waiting to drop off their keys and check in at the counter. Every advisor is busy with simple tasks. Two are typing customer concerns into the computer to get a repair order created. Two are trying to find an appointment the customer swears they created online. And another is looking for a customer's keys who didn't come in to pick up their vehicle the night before. It's a chaotic and unproductive scene, and you know you're probably losing money by not offering standard upsells with every write-up and frustrating customers with long wait times. Now imagine that same morning, but with customers checking in themselves in about two minutes. Your advisors are still busy, but they are busy selling. There are no more lines, no more wasted time, and no more frustration. GoMoto kiosks free up your advisors to focus on high-impact, customer-facing, profit-oriented work that improves and speeds up the process. And with three new kiosks, online check-in, and Spanish-language support, you can now serve more customers in more ways with a process that fits their needs. Visit GoMoto.com, that's G-O-M-O-T-O.com, to explore all the ways kiosks can increase profit, efficiency, and overall operations in your service drive. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Supplier innovation is in the industry spotlight right now. Automakers are under pressure to deliver new era powertrains, develop new models faster, and lower manufacturing costs, all while improving products with new software. And they often rely on suppliers to help with those improvements. The Automotive News Pace Awards recognize supplier innovations that make it into commercial use. Japan-based Yazaki Corporation is the only two-time winner in this year's awards. It won for both its narrow-focus lens technology, as well as for its flexible wire with improved routing in electric vehicles. 
I spoke with Yazaki North America's Vice President of Engineering, Eric Varton, about the company, its innovative technology, and the climate suppliers face in 2022. Here's our conversation. Eric Varton, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. So Yazaki North America was the only two-time winner in this year's PACE Awards. First time that has happened since 2019. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It was a great honor for us to be there and, and obviously to take uh, two awards. That's, that's incredible. So tell me a little more about the winning innovations. The, the first one, one was for a narrow focus lens technology for high bandwidth data optical transmission. That's a lot to unpack uh, for the non-engineers in our audience. Uh, can you break that down for the, you know, the marketers and the auto dealers out there? Sure. Actually, we can break it down. It's actually very simple. Uh, we have um, optical transceivers that allow us to uh, push data using pulses of light. We've heard about fiber optics and communication for some time. This is an application for fiber optics in vehicles using a plastic optical fiber rather than glass fibers like we typically see in in uh, industrial communication systems. Hmm. Uh, but this lens design, what it does is it more narrowly focuses the light pulses that, uh, that shoot down that fiber. And because of that, uh, because it's more intense, we're able to switch uh, to two different states between light on and light off faster. Uh, and we're also able to push a higher strength of light, which means we can push further di distances or like we, we call it, we have a, a better power budget, uh, optical power budget, meaning we can have more interconnections on longer lengths. So that also um, ties into, you know, partitioning of uh, different segments for, for inclusion in wire harnesses. But uh, it basically gives us a 20-fold increase in uh, our ability to transmit data and takes us from uh, 50 megabits per second up to one gigabits per second in transmit speed. Mm -hmm. So significant improvement in the ability to deliver data uh, over an optical networking system. So what is the main driver of the need for more data to be sent around within the car? Is it automated driving? Is it infotainment? What's the, what's, what's really pushing this? Well, I think it's two things. Uh, one, we're, we're seeing an ever increasing amount of uh, features uh, in the vehicles today. That's one of it. But the other one is the changes to the uh, underlying architecture, the things that the people don't see. How are these uh, different features interconnected between the sensors, the computing modules, and the software? And as we move to consolidate uh, functions uh, in order to have better control, in order to ease assembly, in order to reduce weight, uh, we're using uh, single uh, segments between multiple modules with higher computing power, and they're pushing more data. And so the ability to move more data over a single link or bandwidth, faster speeds, and uh, additional signals over those, those segments is really being driven again by the need to change the architecture to enable some of those advanced features, like you mentioned, autonomous. These new architectures are required to support that. So the other one, I think maybe is a, a little easier to understand, a little more intuitive. It was for the other, the other winning innovation was for a more flexible, less cumbersome EV wires. Explain some of what you, how you came up with that, how that came to be and, and what the, what the real benefits are for automakers. Sure. And, and while it seems slightly less sexy than the lens we just talked about, the need for us to move to electrification requires more power to be delivered in the vehicle. And so we need larger gauges, larger size wires in order to deliver that power from the batteries to propulsion systems. 
Um, part of the difficulty, though, is, is we have functional requirements uh, such as abrasion resistance uh, and packaging requirements, bend radiuses, et cetera. These large gauge cables, they, um, they are difficult to bend and to form, and they often want to return to their original form. And remember, we manufacture these and we bend them up in boxes and then they get pulled apart for final assembly. So it's really important that they are easy ergonomically to be able to be handled. Once put in vehicle, uh, they stay where we put them. Uh, but we still need abrasion resistance and we still need resistance to, uh, uh, to chemicals that are found in the uh, uh, automotive environment. And so what we've done is we, we looked at these new um, requirements and devised a different type of uh, polymer, a different type of dielectric that is much more flexible, not so flexible as some others that are available on the market like silicone, which is very soft. You can almost cut it with your fingernail, but something that is very flexible yet very durable is uh, resistant to cuts and abrasion, but still has a 60% greater flexibility than other cables that are available on the market, which means it conforms to all of those other requirements of uh, small bend radiuses, relaxation once it's put in its final state, and yet still gives the ability to deliver high power to the propulsion systems. Congratulations on those awards. It's always great to see the innovations that come from suppliers in the industry, but it's also been a, a tough time for suppliers. Uh, we've had really inconsistent production schedules, high raw material costs, huge expectations to invest in the EV transition without abandoning ICE customers and their production. How hard has COVID been for suppliers? Oh, it's been very difficult. Uh, you take a company like Yazaki, we're $14 billion in, in uh, global sales. We operate in 45 different countries. We are in more than half of all internal combustion engines, more than half of all the hybrids, and more than half of all the fully electric vehicles that have been <laughs> produced today in 2021. So when you talk about exposure to supply chain issues, when you talk about exposure to, uh, to line down and production issues, and remember, our own mode of uh, customers, I mean, they're managing thousands of different pieces from hundreds of different tier ones and thousands of different tier twos. So at any given day, right, it's it's not just Yazaki that's impacted by our own supply chains, but it's Yazaki that's impacted by other people's supply chains. And then you add in on top of COVID, you add in other things like the chip shortage. We've had uh, problems, catastrophes at at chip plants, right? We talk about the number of computer chips and computing modules we have in vehicles today, mm -hmm. which is also another driver, as, as we mentioned earlier, uh, another driver of uh, new architectures to reduce the, the number of chips and reduce the number of components that are necessary in vehicles for weight reduction, but also for reliability and security of supply chain. So we've experienced like all of our other suppliers, right? Disruptions in manufacturing, extraordinary expense, uh, expedited freight. I think the only one that made real good money during the crisis has probably been the airlines and the, uh, the shippers, right? Uh, DHL, FedEx, and, uh, and Maersk probably have done very well. But um, it's been a challenging time for all suppliers in our industry. Is the chip supply improving? It is improving. Uh, it's not back to where it was uh, pre-COVID and, uh, and pre-some of the catastrophes that we've seen uh, recently that we've experienced. It's going to take some time. It, it won't be over for the next year. We'll still see, at least for the next year, year and a half, we'll still see um, constrained supply. 
But uh, also, it's good news that we're seeing we're breaking new plants in the Americas. Uh, Congress has acted to make sure that uh, we have the funds and the, the backing of the federal government to get some of those chips stateside. I think we'll be in a very good position in a, in a couple of years, but things are improving. I noticed, yeah, production has been picking up. It's been better than last year for the last several months. So hopefully that continues <laughs> for the industry. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, working with so many suppliers and, and down through the tiers. And, you know, that reminded me of, you know, we had a lot of concerns or a lot of, a lot of issues now around sourcing in terms of, you know, the security and uh, of the supply, but also as we look toward uh, carbon neutrality efforts, a lot of companies are trying to really track that all the way through their supply chains. Are there mechanisms already in place for you to keep track of all of your suppliers and and how they operate so that you can report up to your customers? So that's something that is really coming into focus and especially so just in the last year. So the the big challenge is how do we all calculate our impact so that we can accurately make determinations uh, on sourcing and other things? Uh, that the thing is that you can plan as well as you want when you end up with something like a pandemic or other supply shortages, your supply chains are very dynamic and you may have to switch suppliers also. So it's really difficult in the end to determine what your actual net impact was on the environment as far as carbon emissions. Sustainability goes beyond just uh, supply chain and, and emissions. It also goes to recyclability right? How recyclable uh, are our products? How renewable? So you're seeing a, a, a very big interest also in different types of materials in automotive for, for wiring, for example, which, uh, which on today's modern vehicles could be, you know, up to 150 pounds of, of copper, 200 pounds on copper on a very large vehicle with a lot of content, uh, not to mention the larger gauge cables we just discussed going into uh, EV propulsion systems. Mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at ways to, to lightweight. Um, so you, you think about aluminum conductors instead of copper. Uh, but then again, when you look at sustainability and you look at carbon footprint, there's a lot of energy that goes into manufacturing the, uh, the aluminum material that we're going to use for wires, taking it from its raw state, you know, much more than copper. Uh, and then you look at recyclability. So it's it's a very interesting time. It's a very difficult equation. Um, the industry as a whole is trying to figure that out. And then we just hope as a supplier that um, wherever we move forward, that we'll have some sort of alignment with uh, the majority of our customers in the region, because it's very difficult to have to try and align yourself on something that's so difficult to calculate with different, you know, uh, requirements from every single one of our, our customers. What for you is the most exciting thing going on in the industry right now? I think the most exciting thing is just the fact that we have so much change. Um, we are going from, you know, a hundred year old architecture and propulsion system based on carbon fuels to, you know, this new thing that, you know, ultimately the majority of people believe will be based on a renewable fuel energy uh, future. Um, but there's so many changes and there's so new focuses. I mean, we used to focus purely on performance requirements and now it's performance plus sustainability plus all these other things that, that we're trying to do to be socially responsible. And it's really driving innovation. I mean, innovation is, you know, something different that has impact. And sometimes when we change the, the, the paradigm and, and that impacts the architecture and it impacts uh, you know, how we do our business every day. We have new engineers coming out of school. 
that are, are coming into our company, bringing brand new skill sets, new ideas and perspectives. We're pushing more of the hardwired mechanical systems to electrically driven systems controlled by software instead of by wires and, and cables. So it's just an immensely exciting time that's putting even more pressure on, on suppliers, industry, universities, you know, to innovate and to come up with solutions that allow us to get past some of the hurdles that are keeping us from this vision that we have today of, of uh, the future automobility. Eric Varton, Vice President of Engineering for Yazaki North America. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jamie. My pleasure. Eric Varton is Vice President of Engineering for Yazaki North America, the only supplier to win two awards in this year's Automotive News Pace Program. You can find the complete list of winners and more information about their achievements at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on suppliers, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about the steps dealership service departments need to be taking before repairing EVs. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.